This is First, Last, Best, Worst. The only podcast recorded on a Tascam 4-track cassette tape. We explore the craft of songwriting with our guests as they perform the first, last, best, and worst songs they've ever written. I'm your host, Carl Banks. I'm Taylor Rogers. And I'm Paul Blackwell. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Carl, how you doing? I'm feeling wonderful. How are you doing, Taylor? I'm doing well. So, Carl, tell me about the first time you ever played music in front of people. All right. Well, first time I ever played guitar on stage, which is what I do for my job now, was uh, 1998. And it wasn't so much a stage as it was a gymnasium floor of my middle school. I guess the kids were sitting crisscross applesauce. So I was technically higher, so we'll call it a stage. Used to be a church, so there was, you know, stations of the cross. So uh, we hear about the the talent show. Me and three of my friends, we decided we're going to start a band. Jason and Pat were going to be on guitar. I was going to play bass. And Joey was going to play the saxophone. Um, So the week before the big show, we get together and uh, we're going to practice our set. And we spend the whole time coming up with a band name. And uh, the band name was the Mentally Decapitated Organ Grinder Monkeys, (laughs) MDOGM for short. And it's a long name and it was pretty lame. But we spent the whole time coming up with the name and forgot to actually practice any songs you know so uh, when our parents came to pick us up we were like okay joe had the music for tequila because he was in marching bands we're like what's the first note you play he said g we're like we're gonna play tequila in g that's just two chords all right everybody practice it through the week or whatever you know it's show business we got a saying uh the show must go on you know and so that uh friday talent show rolls around patrick and jason don't bring their guitars because they were underprepared and didn't want to embarrass themselves but me and joe thought the show must go on so we get out there and we didn't realize at the time that his horn was transposed into a different key so when he was playing a g it really wasn't a g so there we were a bass guitar and a barry sax playing tequila uh in two different keys you know the show must go on. That sounds pretty avant-garde, actually. <laughs> would you would you describe the mentally decapitated organ grinder monkeys as uh, perhaps a no wave act? For sure, <laughs> for sure. We we lacked any wave, no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> Zero wave. As a matter of fact, that was our only show we ever played, and uh, I decided to pursue my my solo career after that, which is gone. You know, not all that great. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, thank you for that um, extremely depressing intro <laughs> to the podcast. The show must go on. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very excited about our guest today. We have a wonderful New York-based uh, recording and performing artist, Scout Galette, here with us. She's going to play us some tunes. Scout, how are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> cool. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, do you want to play your first song? Yeah, this is the first song uh, that I guess I wrote when I was 18 or 19 on the guitar, like finished it. But when I was younger, I was always writing songs. So this is, you know, one time I made a song on the piano and uh, it was Mom, We're Not Jewish. But I don't know if I could play that for you guys today. (laughs) Do you not remember it or is it? uh... It's like, Mom, We're Not Jewish. It was confusing. I had a bat mitzvah the same time I got a purity ring. Yeah, the pastor from the non-denominational church was at my bar mitzvah. It was a really confusing time for me. <laughs> so, so, I, so, so I went to, to song. Yeah, exactly. trying, to, trying to figure out what was going on right. through, through yeah. the power of music. <laughs> Mom, I'm not Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> or are we? I don't, really don't know. Yeah. Still to this day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, great art is more about asking questions exactly. than finding the right answer. So yeah. whether you're Jewish 
or not Jewish. You're here now. It was expression, and so, I'm here now, yeah. yeah. This song is called Crooked. I wrote it when I was 18 or 19. It might not be one of the first songs I ever wrote, but it's the first time I had experienced sitting down, staring at, like, a candle and, like, writing a song in one sitting. So it was the first time I ever had that kind of bizarre flow, like, oh, because that was just a song. So this is called Crooked.
That was lovely. The first thing I'm struck with uh, is the dynamics. Of course, you go from a faint, almost a whisper, breathy singing to full voice. And you have a you have some opera training, don't you? Yeah, I uh, I did some opera in college. Was really involved in choir in high school and singing in the church growing up. And then got really into voice stuff and going to stay and then went to college with a music tech degree and my emphasis was vocal and so I did opera training which was so fun and definitely someday I want to do an opera record <laughs> yeah well you can definitely tell uh with the, your singing technique you yeah. know you got the full <laughs> the full lungs yeah. I don't know. I don't know the full technical lungs. full lungs. <laughs> I think a lot of that actually comes from my dad, though, because that man can sing. Like, it's like he can hold a note for his record was like 17 seconds, and on the last record I got to 22, and it was like the biggest achievement of my life. Like, it was like finally showing up the old man. Showing up the old man, <laughs> you know. But he, like, you know, I grew up watching him just like ripping it you know with rock bands and church bands and i was like whoa that's so cool so where did so, you where did you grow up where i grew was this up happening? in independence missouri it's right outside of kansas city right it's like uh mormons were there for a while weren't they oh yeah the the actually the temple where jesus is going to come to when he comes back is in independence missouri oh that's good which to happens to be like one of the longest running like second biggest meth capital of the united <laughs> states so it makes sense that the two would be together and anyways it's a swirly temple but i would always imagine jesus sliding down <laughs> the swirly temple but um all, <laughs> all mormons in the entire like world believe that this temple is where Jesus is. And you were lucky enough to grow up there. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I grew up in a neighborhood called Harvest Hills and most of my friends said I lived in a cult neighborhood. All of the houses were faced in with numerous like dome homes and underground homes and basically uh, it was like meth heads, Mormons, hippies and, you know, very low income. <laughs> so it was a really colorful uh, upbringing. Yeah, that sounds like a, a really good place to grow up if you're going to be making rock and roll. I could say I'm the only one. <laughs> your, your dad was playing in rock bands, you said? Yeah, and then actually in eighth grade, I got most likely to be a rock star for the, oh, you know, you most go. likelies. And I really think that in, from the town, from the, at least my class and the people I knew, no one else went out after playing music like that. They just all got married, had kids, and uh, which is nothing wrong with that, you know? They but just, they can only hold a note for eight to nine seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even mean that it sounds good when you hold notes like that. It's just about the, I think, power and, like, the dynamic of it. I think it's hard to fully go for things like that. It's really scary because if even if you're a little off, it's like, ah, but <laughs> it's not about making it sound pretty all the time. Pretty incredible. I find it's hard to sing in New York because there's always people around, and I'm always timid to hit or to go for those high <laughs> notes or those things where I have to strain because I know my roommate can hear it, yeah. and it's like you need The apartment solitude. below you, the practice space next to you. It's mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just getting in the car and just like, rah, like that's my. I'm really happy that I have my car up here because that's where I do do a lot of singing. What were some of your like earliest influences? Like, what were the acts that you remember hearing early on that inspired you? The earliest would be uh, Pat Banatar. I'd say yeah. my dad when he showed me, I was like nine or ten, you know, listening to a lot of Christian rock music, and then my dad shows me Pat Banatar, and I like thought she was the baddest 
chick in the world. Like, I had a little karaoke machine CD player, and I'd always put Pat Benatar in there and try to sing along. I'd say her, Blondie, and Neil Young, and yeah, I'd say that's like most of the like secular music <laughs> that I heard at a young age. Then well, I was like, Whoa. what were the Christian rock bands? DC Talk? Under Oath. Okay. Uh, Under Oath. Oh, uh, I, um, my, when I was 10, you know, my older cousin was like punk and she showed me the Misfits and Dead Kennedys and all that, which was really cool. But she got me more like cutting the crotch out of pantyhose and putting it under my Under Oath shirt. And like <laughs> my dad got really into Under Oath. So I got really obsessed with that band in an embarrassing way. Did you go, did you like travel with them or see them play I would a lot? wait in the parking lot, you know, cried <laughs> when I saw like Spencer Chamberlain. I had a picture of him by my bed. <laughs> Holes were missing out of his face. <laughs> so I practice. My- <laughs> so I practiced, and it's like I look at pictures of him now, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like. I don't know what, you know, it's 10. <laughs> I don't know that there could be a better segue into what you're doing now and with your latest song. Oh, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> Still is a, singing about... This is my tribute to Under <laughs> <laughs> What was your favorite song from them? Um, It's Dangerous Business Walking Out the Front Door. <laughs> I, I re- actually, the first song I ever sang in front of people was Jesus, I'm Ready to Come Home by Under with my dad. Well, there you go. <laughs> and it was like, it's like... Jesus, I'm ready to go home, home, home. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Don't you stay with me? Uh, <laughs> this is um, uh, yeah. This is, oh, and Isley. I need to shout out that Christian band. So this is the latest song that I'm working on. Still raw, still figuring it out, but it's not really titled. Kind of titled. Blur. <laughs> Locked up inside, I couldn't make my mind after the day's blur. It's hard. 
So that song is still in the process of being completed. Definitely, yeah. I just wrote it a few weeks ago. What do you think needs to be, like, continued to work on? I feel like the chorus melody could have a little bit better of, like, a different melody. Um, I think that's what I'd want to focus on. I'm happy with where the verses are. Uh, With a band, it sounds pretty cool. It's kind of Santo and Johnny, kind of loungy, exotic, kind of, I don't know. It just, I feel like I hear different woodsy instruments and clickety-clacks. Yeah, I definitely hear like a weiro or like something like that. Yeah, Bells, little jingles. Yeah, vibraphone for sure. Yeah. (laughs) You're playing playing on a shag carpet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With the jangly guitar and the chord progression, it does have a a classic garage band feel too, you know? Yeah, it could go really hard and heavy too if it wanted to, and I could sing in a different range. Who knows? Like, that's the thing when you take songs into a studio, you know, and record them flesh them out, they become whole new worlds. And speaking of which, uh, you do have an album coming out fairly soon. Yeah, somewhat soon. It's coming out in, um, I think, July. Really excited for that. I recorded it in upstate New York um, in Stanfordville at the Chicken Shack. I found it by the Project Hand Habits I saw I had recorded there. And uh, Kevin Morby and Waxahachie. And yeah, messaged the guy. And uh, it was a really fun process. It was a whole... Our first session is coming up on two years ago. So it feels like... It uh, takes forever sometimes to get things out. Yeah. so how how do you feel? Are you, um, I mean, obviously you're excited about the record coming out, but is there a sense of just like, oh my God, can we just get this thing? Yeah, definitely. Can we get this thing rolling? You know, I'm just really looking forward to touring. That's the biggest thing because uh, I'm not going to tour until probably the release of the record. So <sighs> that's so. the biggest thing. Because <laughs> it's like if I was playing these songs every day with a band, just like then I feel like they could even change and evolve more and get better. <laughs> and there's always the, that, that kind of life cycle of a recording project where it's like very exciting and then you kind of hear it so much you just fall into like the doldrums. just like, oh, what is this? Can we yeah. just... <laughs> get this out and then you know you get back up and you're yeah. excited about it again and then you go back down definitely you know. go through phases of i can listen to it and i'm like oh yeah this is really cool i'm really happy about this and then other times like i want i want something new right now and i'm like this record's not even out so i need to like you know uh, i wanted to ask about uh, uh on crooked you said that it was the first instance where you sat down and it kind of mm-hmm. came to you can you tell me about blur has your process changed in that time span it still can be that way i mean i wish i could predict when it would be coming like that i'd say with blur it was probably like a two or three day writing thing probably wrote the verse and the chorus like within the same sitting and then came back to it with a different second verse. But it's something where like, yeah, I'm just trying to record demos on tape of just like me playing solo and trying to be like, okay, what do I hear? Do I hear anything else? And I'm tr- that's kind of a new process for me is recording like the demos I'm working on and really trying to prepare before going into the studio. Uh, you know, it's a learning process every time you go into the, that kind of setting where I feel like for live shows, that's my favorite thing. But for recording, I'm like, oh, this is it. Like, this is <laughs> going to live in this, like, you know, you have to get it right. It has to, you have to be so hyper-focused. So I'm trying to, like, prepare and just be like, 
what's the mood? What what do I hear? How do I... When you're doing the demos, do you put bass and drums on them yourself or... Sometimes uh, I'll get my bass out, but I'm not, I'm not a great bass player, but that's just for fun, you know. Usually I flesh it out with the band or try to like, you know, I, I'm really uh, lucky to be playing with the musicians I'm playing with. They're all talented and I like hearing what they hear too. Um, so I feel like at practice you can flesh that out. Who are the musicians that you're playing with right now? Uh, can give Paul, me a shout. Paul Blackwell, who's <laughs> in this room. He's playing guitar. Um, Tom Peters on bass. Chris Stanis. Stanis? Stanis? I should know his last name. I've been playing, I've been, I've been playing with him for four years. But I always mess it up. I don't Stanzas. Stanzas. Sometimes I call you Scout Gillette. I know. A lot so, of people do that. Yeah, yeah, so. I would have had I not heard Taylor say it. And then uh, Claire. Um, so And then also Catfish John on pedal steel. So when we got play shows, it's a full full thing. It's amazing listening to the tracks earlier, that pedal steel. I mean, as soon as it comes on, it just sets such an amazing vibe. <laughs> like, tears me up a little bit. Uh, like That was Kevin Copeland on that and he actually was like a, a really big part of recording the record like he was there in the first session and then also in the second session as well and like did banjo and he just always had ideas and it was a great 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 presence Good. shout out kev copeland <laughs> big net yeah still a guitar really just like it's one of those instruments that just has such a gravitas to it even playing like one note really yeah. adds so much one of the best instruments and uh, speaking of one of the best instruments, uh, I believe it's time to hear your your best song, oh. Scout. Do you like that, that segue? See, I, I love it. I love, yeah. I love it. I'm a little rusty, but I'm trying to get back trying to get back it. into the segue <laughs> into yeah. the segue game. I had the hardest time choosing the best and worst songs because, like I was saying to you guys earlier, I feel like all of them are the best and worst. So I went with this one because this is. Oh, I can't say that. This is just the song that... You like a lot. <laughs> no. That people like a people lot. People like a lot. Uh-huh. I like it. <laughs> so I'm going to play this song. <laughs> this song is called Signal.
I love it. Um, I feel like I have a litmus test when I go to see shows, and it's if I can understand the words of the band or not. It's not a value judgment or anything. It's just if I can. And I feel like with your songs, I'm like at a 50%. I got some of them, and some of them I don't know what you're saying. We've been talking about opera and how, like, if you see an opera, it's in Italian or whatever. I don't know what they're saying, but you get the vibe. And uh, I love these songs because you're getting both, where you'll get, like, a line that's clear as day and then something that's more malleable. Yeah, I'd say also, yeah, probably choir too, you know, molding it all in voices and it just being like very kind of washed out. In a way, I feel like that and maybe, I don't know, I try to enunciate, but I know it's something where people are like, what do you say? And again, it's not mysterious, you know, it's kind of like a different language, you know. Exactly. It's like syntax removed from language. And ultimately, music is communication. And you're relaying certainly a feeling and an emotion that is palpable and transcends language. Exactly. And it's it's above it. I mean, I kind of me personally, I kind of like when I can't hear like all the lyrics necessarily, because it it kind of does seem like through its mysteriousness seems like it expands into like kind of infinity because it could possibly mean any different kinds of things. It, it kind of means all of them at once, you know, mm-hmm. so, so it seems just more like expansive. Uh, another thing is just going back to what you were saying about like how you feel like all your songs are like simultaneously like your best and your worst song, I think is like also a very cool way of thinking about like writing music and like the creative process in general. Just if everything you write is like kind of the sum total of like who you are as a person at all times, you know, yeah. it does kind of make sense that like everything that you would write would be your best That's and your worst, worst yeah. you know. Yeah, I'd say like my biggest thing with writing is I try to come from a really authentic and true place. You know, it's basically my diary, like my inner demons and stories and other people I know and it's uh, never have written to try to make like a radio or hit song or to be cool. Yeah, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe that has something to do with the how the phrasing is with the words. I think it's kind of like mysterious and I don't, I don't even know. I'm just babbling on. I'm trying to, it's, it's interesting. It doesn't need to think an explanation. About. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just, my question was more is, is it deliberate? How much does thinking go into it or is yeah. it just an organic thing? That Organic thing. There also is a killer long note in that last song, and you're from Missouri. Have you ever been to Silver Dollar City? Yeah. You know what okay, so there's a saloon show. It's like a, an amusement park, and there's a saloon show there where they, like, whatever, floozies are on the bar or something. I don't know. And uh, they do the uh, Bonnie Raitt and her dad, mm. any note you can hold, I can hold longer, you know? I'm just struck by that because that was a pretty uh, robust note that you held. Oh, thank you. Some Silver Dollar City influence. Dollar, did, you yeah, see, yeah. did you see the saloon show, I guess is my question. I did, I did not. I did not. I, mi- I missed out on that somehow. Well, uh, it's free. You got to check it out. I have to go back. <laughs> Speaking of influences uh you've actually uh met a couple of your major influences yeah yeah i guess i have one of them i guess when i started writing was sharon vanetten i reached out to her and sent her a demo and she was like you know if you ever come to new york let's meet up for lunch and uh so i booked a flight with my two best girlfriends to new york uh, a few months after that and met up with her and she was like eight months pregnant too you know like I was so amazed that she took the time to meet up with me and she told me I should move to New York and uh I did (laughs) 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 and then in a few months it was really really nice and pretty serendipitous I'll never forget when I first watched like a -a pickathon live session she did um I was 18 probably I was I'll never forget how I felt it felt like out of my body this person you know and then it ended up you know, she ended up playing a pretty big role in my life. So it was something where I was like, I have to learn these songs and I have to learn, you know, 
so that was that was really amazing. We keep in touch. Uh, Had you thought about moving to New York before, or was this just like? Yeah, a- yeah. Since I was five, my gram and my grandpa, on my paternal side, um, lived in New York and went to the New York Academy of Performing Arts. So I always I dreamed about it, but... Uh, it helps when she tells you to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I'm like, well, this, is, this, is, this isn't good. Yeah, I need to get out of here. That's cool. And also, you uh, you mentioned a while ago that you, uh, you wrote Debbie Harry a letter. I'm writing Debbie Harry a letter. <laughs> oh, okay. But I did meet her under bizarre circumstances as, as well. So my gram always told me that she was my third cousin, you know, all this stuff growing up. And I was like, no way, you know, like, whatever. And, um, and sometime in June of 2018, I actually had to go to a shiva, and I went straight to our show at Bowery Electric. And I was wasted. <laughs> I, like, you know, had uh, lost my phone, you know, I, like, had to message Ted over Facebook and ask him to order me a car to the venue. I show up to the venue, and uh, Debbie Harry was in a white suit, a two-piece suit. And uh, Matt Allen was like, yo, Scout, your girl's here. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> You know, when I went up to her and I was like, you know, Bill and Juggy, um, which are my grand's cousins, and she was like, yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you know, unfortunately, uh, that was before I stopped drinking, and I was so drunk. I didn't have my phone. She took a picture on her phone. I tried to send it to my dad. He never got it. Like, it's just <laughs> like, you know, so I actually have her. Um, I've been writing her a letter for, like, three years. <laughs> I, like, write it in pencil, and then I'm like, oh, it has to be perfect. So i thinking maybe I'll wait till the album comes out, and I'll, like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. It's uh, just amazing that it affirms what your grandma said. It's yeah. like you always had to have She doubts. was adopted, so it's not by blood, but it's still cool. And yeah, that's yeah, really that's cool. Sick. With third cousins. Maybe I wonder how many third cousins she really has, you know. I mean, I don't even know what a, th- a third cousin means. It'd be. <laughs> it's, can you have sex with your third cousin? I feel like you probably can. Uh, I mean. Th- that might be outside the scope of yeah. this podcast. You can have sex with it. No, right. <laughs> oh, well, uh, speaking of worst, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Um, this song is actually about leaving Kansas City. You know, leaving a lot of people, and I I didn't write it until I went back to Kansas City to visit in the pandemic, and uh, I feel like I like was more happy than ever to. <laughs> which, I also, which I also love <laughs> Kansas City so much, but just <laughs> so maybe that's why it's my worst song. Also, I feel like it's the hardest one to play without a band the whole way through, so this is a challenge. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, this one's called Lonesome Dove. Thank you. 
Not the worst. I like uh, that. Yeah, that. Yeah, I actually like that song. <laughs> so. We want a stinker. I, yeah. I, I do too. Uh, I don't know. They're all stinkers and winners, you know. Yeah. Just like us all. We're all stinkers and winners. You know, your current your current solo project is uh, you're kind of drawing from a lot of like 50s, 60s, 70s influences. But you were also playing in a lot of like punk rock and roll bands in New York City. Mm-hmm. I guess the inspiration is just, you know, I pull from a lot of things I love with, uh, you know, 50s and 60s music, especially like rockabilly, you know, uh, and definitely blues, the rawness of it. And with rockabilly, you know, it's like pre-punk, like Gene Vincent or something like that. You're like, that is so punk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, early on, those were influences of mine. And then um, I started playing with this band Shadow Year that formed when I first moved to to New York. I moved here for, for you know to play music but kind of put my solo stuff on the back burner for a minute. I wasn't uh I guess I fully didn't believe in myself, I guess. That's probably the answer to it and uh I I we had a lot of fun. It was yeah, it was like 
rock and roll, punk, post-punky, I don't know. And uh, definitely we got more punk towards the end of the band's existence. Not the end, maybe it's not the end. Someone just moved, but uh, we never got to record those tracks. But the last few tours we had were really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you playing get- guitar and sing? Or yeah, just- and also Korg MS-20, I had a keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then towards the end, it was more like the keyboard and singing and slamming the microphone on my head. <laughs> and I grew up going to punk shows and stuff uh, in Kansas City. I started going when I was, like, 13, and it would be, like, you know, just uh, watching people hit their head on the rails. And then, um, yeah, just a lot of house shows and DIY shows and uh, would go to, like, two shows a night sometimes, and they'd be on the same block. It was a <laughs> really, really good community. Yeah, I feel like communities like uh, like, you know, kind of like more like deindustrialized, like Rust Belt cities, like Kansas, like often has have like really good punk and metal scenes. Missouri. <laughs> I think the uh, the last show I I went to see before everything shut down in 2020 was actually a Shadow Year show with your old band here in New York City. Um, this is the Mike Mike on the Head band. Yeah, and other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I do remember. I think it was like the uh, the night that uh, everyone first kind of realized that. COVID was like a real thing and everyone was scared. And uh, I think like after I got done with that show, I booked a flight back home to get out of New York City. And then I ended up uh, contracting COVID uh, almost certainly at the Shadow Year show. Yeah, it was a super spreader event. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's like one of the most powerful things about music is just how it can touch people's lives (laughs) like that. I was still really skeptical. I don't know, you know, I mean, it was just too insane. And yeah, I did at the end of the show, deep throw the mic and say, I have COVID. (laughs) 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 That is true. Um, and a lot of I, things have happened since yeah, then. So. I, I didn't have COVID. It was, yeah, like the next day where it was like shut down. I think the show was March 11th or March 12th of 2020. Something like that, yeah. And uh, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been two years. So. <laughs> Complete well, disruption of our industry. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're back now. <laughs> right, yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel a fire under my ass, and I feel like things are starting to cook a little, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of figured out how to handle last summer and kind of the summer before that. So we're, we're adapting. We adapt. Our feet are the same size. I, I learned that last night. I didn't know that. <laughs> our feet are yeah. the same size as our forearms. The elbow to, uh-huh. yeah. It's my heart. Yeah. Symmetry, Susan, yeah, no. baby, opposable thumbs, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I can. Whoa. Oh, you can bend that thumb pretty I'm far actually, back. I, I'm double jointed. Cool. Many talents. Well, Scout, that seems about as good a place as any to stop. <laughs> that is, stop that is certainly the end. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing your music with it us. It was an honest Thank treat. You Thank you for so having me. Until next time. Until next time, guys. First. Last. Best. Worst. Woo, we did it. Yeah. Wait, can you take some opera? Lead us out some opera. Okay.